Good afternoon. Welcome back to another episode of our podcast, Humanize. Uh, today, not joined by Lisa or Sarah. Instead, I'm joined by Mason, who's a principal consultant uh, here at CT19, and very lucky to be joined by Amin, who is the CEO of Sport Biotech, a deep tech startup in Paris. Um, Amin, thanks so much for, for coming along. Thank you for having me. No, thank you. Uh, it's your birthday as well, so we feel extra special having <laughs> you here. Um, and and I, I appreciate this must be a bit of a, a step down from your recent interview with Sky News. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Chris. Um, but no, great to have you. Obviously, we met uh, a few months ago uh, in person at your lab opening in Paris. Um, very much uh, grateful for the invite. But um, for people listening and watching, could you maybe just give us a, a bit of an introduction to, to you personally and, and who you are and why you're here? Sure. Um, thank you again for having me. No, you're welcome. I'm Amin. I'm the founder and the CEO of uh, SporBio, um, which is a deep tech company uh, that uh, we founded with two of my co-founders a um, few months ago. So it's uh, quite a, a recent one. Um, and basically, we are developing a new technology uh, that can detect bacteria in seconds while conventional techniques um, do that in a few days in general. Uh, and I'm an engineer. Uh, I grew up in Morocco. I studied in France. Uh, I lived a bit abroad and uh, came back in France to build my company uh, last year. Nice. And I guess, where did this idea initially come from? Uh, like you said, you're from an engineering background, but yeah, where did the inspiration come sure. from? Sure. So I spent all my life working in food and beverage manufacturing. As I told you, I grew up in Morocco, where my family uh, owns food and beverage factories, where I used to spend uh, quite a okay. lot of time. Yep. Then I decided to join uh, Nestle, uh, the food and beverage manufacturing leader, where I spent uh, quite a lot of time um, working at their factories for like uh, infant formula, culinary products, beverages, uh, coffee, uh, mineral water. Something that I witnessed in all those factories is uh, how complicated it is uh, for manufacturers uh, to make sure that... Um, uh, products are safe and not contaminated. It can seem a bit simple, uh, but in reality, when you're producing uh, uh, loads of products every day, pallets and pallets going out of the factory, making sure that 100% of those products uh, are safe every day is a huge challenge, a challenge that I lived uh, uh, at Nestle. Um, and so um, one of the most complex things uh, uh, and that was actually really frustrating for me was the time to result of the conventional tests. It was one of the constraints, but there are many out there. And uh, basically, we used this really century-old uh, technology called Petri dish uh, that has been uh, around for ages. Mm -hmm. And um, I was extremely curious to understand why there are not more innovative technology that I know exists in academic labs uh, deployed uh, in factories for food and beverage, but also for pharma and cosmetics. And so I met... Um, uh, my first co-founder, Maxime, uh, who's a PhD and postdoc from uh, Institut Pasteur. I came with the problem, he came with the solution, and that's how SporBio was born. Nice. And just a couple of things to unpick then. So you said your family have uh, food manufacturing facilities. Um, why did you choose, or what did you study when you, when you first chose your studies? I studied um, physics, then uh, mechanical and industrial engineering. Mm -hmm. um, so I was really... I was more passionate about the industrial world than just food and beverage manufacturing. So okay. I really wanted to understand how machines can help produce uh, food um, and how can we uh, automat uh, automatize, I mm -hmm. don't know if you can say that, like the, the, the really old manual stuff that I've seen uh, in factories, uh, mainly in Morocco. Um, and so that's uh, why I studied like industrial engineering. Okay, nice. And so Sporebio was founded when? It was founded in January 2023, so mm -hmm. 
a few months ago. Okay. How have you found that journey? So 12 months in or just over 12 months in, like what, what's it been like? It was kind of hectic. Like I, 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 I would have never imagined to have lived the year as uh, full and also beautiful than 2023. Uh, I mean, I told you like a few months ago, we were only two with this crazy idea of um, building a new technology that no one ever heard of for this application. Uh, at the beginning, everyone thought that we were completely crazy. <laughs> Lots of people have tried uh, what we're trying to do with different technologies. Um, and yeah, right now, um, we have two labs right in the center of Paris where 15 individuals uh, with uh, some of the most brilliant scientists and engineers in the world that have joined us for this uh, for this journey, I'm actually really uh, grateful and happy about the the, the year that have uh, just passed for us. Yeah, did you expect, I suppose, over the last twelve months, for things to be where they are already? Um, obviously, you've, like I said, grown to fifteen people. You've just secured uh, a, a huge fundraise. So, has it exceeded your expectation, or did you know that your idea was so good that it would be the successful so quickly? Uh, tricky question. I knew we were doing something big, but uh, I would have imagined it would take uh, much more time yeah. to have um, validations. And when I say validation, I'm thinking of um, academic and scientific validation, which was my first like um, surprise. Um, I don't come from this academic background. I come from a pure engineering industrial background. So I discovered the world of uh, science and academic uh, with uh, with Sporbio and with Maxim, who spent his whole life working uh, in academics. Uh, and I was uh, I thought that the, the, this world would be way more skeptical uh, than what it was actually on our 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 innovation. Yeah. And so that was a really good surprise of the reception of the, the, the our new technology by by this world. Then um, also the manufacturers, um, you know how old habits are really uh, hard to change and uh, people could be really skeptical about that. And uh, no, I, 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 I think there was like kind of a market momentum where manufacturers uh, are willing to change. They are seeking for new solutions. And I think we arrived at the perfect time. So also really, really happy of and, 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 and uh, happily surprised by the, 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 the commercial traction and, uh, and the, the, the reception of the, of the manufacturers. And obviously, as you said, also the, the investors. Um, uh, we're a deep tech company with hardware in the biotech field. So lots of uh, red <laughs> alarms and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and, war and uh, warnings for, for like the classical uh, venture capitalist. But, and, and it was my first fundraise, so I was uh, extremely scared. Uh, <laughs> and no, it, it went really well. So, so really happy about that. Nice. Yeah. And I guess coming from your, your technical background, now you've gone into more of like a commercially focused role. So did you always think that you were going to be founding a business or did you always think you were going to be moving into like a more commercially focused position? Yeah, I I, um, I come from a family of entrepreneurs, um, and uh, I don't know if it's in my blood or or, or is, if it's my education, but I always knew that at some point I would uh, build my own uh, venture. I didn't know when, I didn't know in what field, and um, so even if I went into really technical stuff, as you said, I've been working like as an engineer in factories for four years. Um, I always knew that the, the, the end goal was to build something in this field. And I needed that. I, I, I felt that I needed the legitimacy to deeply understand this field and the technical aspects of it uh, before being able to like do something. Yeah. So I'm quite happy about that. But I always kept um, like kind of a business drive, like listening to podcasts, talking with my 
entrepreneur fans uh, getting super curious about it so i don't lose this uh, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the 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 business aspect of it and uh, yeah obviously when i launched my company i was like yeah i don't have any business theoretical <laughs> background uh, uh, i i haven't done an mba like for years i wanted to do mba i applied for mbas before launching sport bio because yeah. I was, as it was like a, for me something that i needed to do to be able to uh, be a good ceo for my company but i also think that you learn a lot from the field by doing instead of just yeah. sitting in a class and and, and, and listening to, to, to theoretical uh, concepts yeah. and um, and uh, so far I'm quite happy with uh, um, our learning curve as a company uh, being 100% technical uh, but also really really close to the field and uh, uh, bringing this uh, business drive to the world of deep tech which is uh, Maybe not always the case. Mm. And a couple of times you've mentioned a co-founder. So can you tell us a bit more about Maxime and, and how do your skills complement each other? Sure. So I have two co-founders. Uh, so the first one is Maxime. Uh, he's our CTO. Mm-hmm. Um, he's uh, maybe the most knowledgeable person in the different sciences that we combine to be able to detect bacteria in the world. So I'm actually super uh, grateful to have uh, such a strong technical co-founder. And also, surprisingly, uh, that is extremely business-driven. So Maxim is the first one not to like dive into some theoretical, fundamental, technical aspects, but always like uh, uh, coming back to what does the customer wants, uh, yeah. what will be the implication of things, which is which makes my job way easier <laughs> yeah. as, as as a CEO. So. So, Maxime, if you listen, thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then my third co-founder, um, his name is uh, Mohamed. Um, he's our COO, so he handles all the operations uh, for SportBio, which is a, a heavy piece for us, uh, being a, a hardware company, deploying in factories as early as as uh, as, uh, as us. And uh, Mohamed, he, um, he's a really um, experimented entrepreneur, uh, and like uh, Maxim and I, who are uh, first-time founders, uh, he built a company called Jimlib uh, uh, in France that he sold last year. He successfully sold it, um, and uh, he's really bringing you know this uh, experience structuration uh, that we need. And um, I think uh, on all the uh, back office and like really structural things that are needed uh, for the company, um, we have this nice dynamic. Uh, Mohamed and I, I'm the crazy, bold uh, <laughs> uh, guy, like just going for things. Yeah. And Mohamed is a bit more uh, reserved, you know, a bit more uh, yeah. rational. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, that gives this nice uh, um, dynamic. Uh, yeah. So so I'm, I'm actually really happy. And I think that that was also uh, a big thing about uh, why we went that quickly. It's the, the relationship between the, the three co-founders and how um, we... We really, each one of us know why he's here and what he's bringing to the table. Mm-hmm. And we really trust each other on that. So so that's cool. I think something else that's important as well is uh, something I picked up on is what the customer needs or what the customer wants. Um, as you know, we deal in we deal in startup world. And I think there's loads of people out there with amazing ideas who have developed some amazing technology, but perhaps actually haven't gone to the market and been like, is there a need for this product or this technology? Mm. Does someone actually want to use it? So um, I, I guess the question would be like, how did you understand or, or, or where did you get the idea that this was a, there was a real need for this? First, um, 
I come back from. Uh, I mean, I I I spent the, the last six years working in this market and being at the exact position than the people who are selling uh, our 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 technology. So that gives me like an unfair advantage of knowing exactly what they want. Uh, but still, uh, there are lots of uncertainties, and we have really this culture of uh, customer discovery and product first. So. Uh, we spend a lot of time um, just discussing with customers, uh, traveling to factories, visiting their labs, their, uh, going at their shop floor, trying to understand really each one of them, their local constraints. can also give you an example. Uh, I come from a food and beverage manufacturing background. We also work with pharma and cosmetic manufacturers, which I know a bit less. Mm-hmm. And I spent lots of time like really... Um, documenting myself, uh, um, having loads of discussions, doing fairs and discussing with all the quality management people there. Um, And also we have an approach that is uh, a bit more aggressive uh, than usual deep tech startups. Um, I would have never launched a company where I would spend uh, three to four years uh, building a technology in a lab without facing our customers. Um, So we made the decision to really deploy our technology um, as soon as possible uh, to the field to really confront the, the, the needs of, uh, of, uh, of our customers. Even if uh, everything is not perfect, obviously we focus more on the performance of the technology, all what is around, the, the UX, the ergonomy, the, the e- easiness to use. Uh, it's not going to be optimal for yep. the first day, yep. but at least we're working with um, customers that we have built relationship with that are trusting us and, and know that we are really in this RNG uh, mindset, mm-hmm. which is super cool for us. And this really helps us to have all the operational insights of, okay, what does the customer want and how we can iterate on the product to make sure that the day we have a commercial product, it's like perfect. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned the three sort of industries there, food and <coughs> beverage, pharmaceutical and cosmetics. Um, are you going after one initially? Like what's the strategy in terms of those three different sectors? Oh, initially we went uh, for food and beverage because... Um, that's what we know yeah, uh, more. But uh, the more we are digging, the more we are realizing that our technology has a huge potential in pharma and cosmetics and that the need is basically the same, even if there are some constraints that are a bit different. So right now we're focusing a lot on pharma and cosmetics. Uh, and for us, it's like one big market. Um, and then there are other ones that would be super exciting for the future. But really, it's the industrial microbiology market. Every product that has like moisture content and neutral pH and that could be contaminated by a bacteria, mm-hmm. it could be interesting for us. And so we all consume food, right? So yeah. for someone who's not a scientist, not an engineer, like how, can you, how would you explain your technology for, for someone listening? Uh, I would explain it in a really simple way. Um, all the technology that exists to detect bacteria, most of the alternative methods are biologic uh, solutions where they are focused on f- um, like spotting the DNA or RNA of pathogens. We use a completely different technology that is based on physical innovation and machine learning. And uh, to put it in a really simple way, we have developed an optical solution that can detect bacteria by being trained with algorithms mm-hmm. um, that are going to take lots and lots and lots of kind of really fancy picture of the sample, um, contaminated, non-contaminated. And as uh, as soon as the data set for a type of product is being created um, with all those different products, um, the algorithm will um, understand uh, how to detect the, the bacteria alone without any petri dish or whatever. Nice. 
And tell us more about the company then. So how many people are you in terms of the in-person headcount right now? Uh, right now we are 15 people. Mm-hmm. Only uh, technical staff, so PhDs, engineers, and lab technicians. And uh, most of them are R&D focused, uh, so 90, 90% of them. And we have one hire, which is the first uh, non-R&D uh, hire that then joined us uh, to support me on all the go-to-market strategy okay. and uh, regulatory topics and impact and so on. Um, and yeah, we are in three different fields that we really need to combine to make our tech happen. Microbiology, obviously, so in science of bacteria, photonics and hardware, mm-hmm. and machine learning. And so the biggest challenge for us is to find the best individuals in those fields, uh, attract them, mm-hmm. uh, show them that our mission is worth having the brilliant minds like theirs to join and then make them work together, which is super uh, big challenge uh, because they talk different languages. Some come from the academic world, some come from the industry, some come from the tech world. Um, and that's the three main fields that we really need to make communicate. So we spend a lot of time also not working together yeah. and uh, just building relationship, which I think is a, a key factor for, for, for our future success. And you talked about challenges. So you're just over 12 months in, externally looking in with a good fundraise uh, team is growing, so things look great. What, what would you say have been the main challenges you face over the last 12 months that maybe you didn't expect? Even internally, it was really 12 amazing months. Like I, I, I can't complain with how it has been uh, going. Um, now for us, the, the, the main challenge is really the, the, the operational aspect of deploying machines in factories in several continents uh, and being that uh, as young as ours. So how do we handle customer support? Uh, how do we handle like maintenance with uh, like, yeah. a, I don't know, a fly that comes into the machine, like <laughs> the thing that never happens in the lab, but yeah. that will happen in the field. Um, uh, hopefully, also, I'm, I'm, I mean, I spent the last years handling uh, bad things happening in factories. So I'm, 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 I started to create like a, um, a Stockholm syndrome or whatever. Like mm-hmm. I, 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 um, I love this kind of pain and this kind of challenges, uh, which is a bit weird. But now I'm really excited about the, those challenges, and uh, I also think that. Um, the, the, the team is prepared for that. That's something that we say a lot internally. Is we have lived over a few months, lots of really amazing things together, but uh, it won't always be like this. And mm-hmm. uh, that's entrepreneurship. I'm prepared for it. Are they? That's the question. Yeah, and that's yeah. why I try to like uh, also always talk about that and uh, show them that uh, it's going to be a, a long marathon and we need to be prepared for that. And uh, I think we are prepared. Yeah, and um, I suppose we've alluded to it a few times now in terms of like the fundraise that you've recently secured. So do you mind just telling us a bit more about like how that came about, how you found fundraising? Because speaking to lots of different clients, it's quite a tricky market out there at the moment. So yeah, it'd be great to hear your experience around that. Sure. Basically, um, uh, fundraise for us is like a necessary step being a deep tech company. Uh, it's our model, so we can't just uh, go out there and like... Uh, bootstrap as a, as a SaaS company. So it was like a really important break for, for, for us. 
Um, it went super well. Um, Mohamed uh, was uh, key to, to this uh, element because he uh, helped us really on the back office preparing like the document. Uh, technologically, we were at a stage that was quite advanced mm-hmm. uh, at the stage we were in, uh, thanks to Maxim who prepared uh, like a really strong white paper. Like all the documentation was like super clear. Um, and uh, yeah, we launched the, the fundraise. We talked with lots of VCs, business angels all around the world. Um, uh, it's it's funny. Uh, we had more success abroad than in France because uh, the, the 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 I think the French ecosystem uh, doesn't like hardware. For example, okay. is starting to like deep tech, but it's really early. While uh, in um, uh, I mean more mature ecosystems like UK, US, this is something that w- we've already entered the wave where. Um, hardware and deep tech is becoming something that uh, could really interest lots of uh, venture capitalists. Um, and no, I, I can't complain about that. Um, two weeks after the start of the roadshow, we got our first uh, term sheet, so the first fund that wanted to, to lead our round. And you know that's usually when uh, everything uh, unlocks because uh, that's a fund that did, did his due diligence and uh, approved some things, and then it, it's, it's, uh, it's a bit uh, easier. And um, we were quite lucky um, because uh, the round was uh, oversubscribed, which means that we could uh, choose our investor, which is not always the case. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's why we decided to choose, with, I mean, to work with the best investors out there, which was uh, Local Globe as a lead, which is also London-based, that we have a, a really an amazing uh, relationship and that's really helping us on strategic aspects that are so, so important for us. Um, and then we brought some... Um, expertise uh, in the team of investors that we needed. Um, uh, so in terms of market, for example, where we have um, like the family of uh, Clarence uh, that has invested in our company, you know that I don't know really well cosmetics, so they are really helping us yeah. on, on the field. Um, we have like big inv- individuals in uh, food and beverage and pharma manufacturing um, in companies like uh, UPSA for pharmaceutical that has invested. Um, also some um, skills that we needed um, uh, in terms of hard skills. Um, we're doing machine learning for bio. So we have uh, Mejiri Sassi, who is the head of product of DeepMind that has invested in our company, yep. uh, who was the one who uh, participated in the launch of AlphaFold for Google, which was one of the biggest ML for bio project uh, in the world. So it's really a huge support on that. And yeah, we were quite lucky to, to choose like investors that really... Uh, Means, means something for us. We also have um, uh, Eric Caril, uh, who is the founder of Weddings, you know, the, the connected watches that mm-hmm. they okay. sold to Nokia and then he re yeah. Yeah. Uh, bought the company and he's like one of the biggest hardware experts uh, in Europe. Yeah, it went super well and right now uh, we're really like involving them in the, um, in the everyday like operations of the, fa- of the, of the company. Um, bringing their knowledge for the different initiatives and uh, uh, challenges that uh, that uh, that we're facing. And do you have you noticed since the raise, has there been a shift? Uh, I guess when some people have put a lot of money in, have you noticed a shift internally in terms of mindset and pressure? Uh, the reason I ask that question when I speak to other company founders, if they've either floated on the stock exchange or raised a significant amount of money, they talk about the heat being turned up because now it's, uh, I guess, getting real. So has there been a shift internally? I don't think so because um, I think everyone feels that we have investors that really trust us, trust our vision, and um, 
at the moment um, I, I don't think like some things have changed in the way we're handling the the, the, the company it might happen uh, in the future uh, depending on the uh, like the, the different challenges that we'll have to face um, but yeah obviously for us uh, we feel the pressure that we need to deliver but we were already like um, really driven before with the same roadmap the same it's crazy like um, when we started the company we did the roadmap Maxim and I uh, I found it a few days ago which is exactly the same yeah since the beginning we have put ourselves this uh, natural pressure that is needed for a company like ours uh, because our like unfair advantage compared to other big companies is our velocity our like uh, uh, speed of execution so the 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 in terms of mindset the, the fundraising hasn't really changed that and let's talk about uh, values something we talked about at lunch so you said you've recently defined the company values can you tell us more about those yeah, uh, it was kind of a nice uh, debate that we had internally. <laughs> um, I, 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 I didn't know exactly what was the point of that uh, because uh, we mentioned that you hear like some values that are really generic, like uh, teamwork. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, communication. Communication. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, we just sat, um, we did a, an offsite. Um, we took a really like um, some a step back on the roadmap and the challenges that we had. We just ask everyone to put on a um, piece of paper what were their personal values and the ones that they care they care the most uh, in their life and working uh, in, in a company. Then we tried to gather everything, and there were like five um, outstanding ones that uh, that came out and that we uh, felt that could define us at the stage that we are at the moment and we want to keep for the next year. So obviously we'll have to change at some point. And uh, now I'm quite proud with the, with the values that we have and uh, I feel that they are quite unique for us. So, so um, And that really shapes uh, some really important decisions on hiring, on uh, decision-making uh, for like uh, touchy points. We try to refer to those values uh, that are really close to what we are and what, what we want to achieve. Are you able to share them? Uh, maybe not all of them because it's going to be long, but uh, um, yeah. Your favorite one? Oh no, I can't say that because <laughs> I'm going to get shit by my, by, by my, <laughs> by my three, team. Like. Top three. <laughs> no, um, we have one that I really like. Um, it's called in, mutual, in mutualism. We believe no mutualism in, in, in the nature. You have like uh, animals that need to. Um, um, they can't live without other animals or without any plants and mm -hmm. uh, um, they are both working together to survive and that's a concept that I really like and that I've seen in the company where um, we all have our own tasks but by uh, helping someone else on his uh, personal task we're also helping us by yeah. understanding his way of seeing and as I told you we're at the intersection of three main sciences. Uh, if we don't do that, uh, we lose. Yeah. And um, we really have this culture. Like uh, this is a thing that uh, um, uh, we have been doing with Maxim since day one. Uh, Maxim is really on the technology. I'm really on the business. So we could be working uh, each one of us uh, separately. But as soon as I have an opportunity to help Maxim on his tasks, pure tech. Uh, scientific task and as soon as he can do that on business we do we do it and that helps us have a better understanding of the whole project and yeah. the thing so that that's really cool one that i really like uh, my team knows that uh, i love this one uh, <laughs> it's called laster uh, knew they were gonna win 
uh, so Leicester, for, for the ones who, who don't know, it's like a really small uh, uh, football team in the UK uh, that in 2016, I think, uh, um, came from uh, the second league to the Premier League. And they won the Premier League against mm -hmm. like Manchester, uh, Arsenal, uh, Liverpool or whatever, uh, which was one of the biggest achievements of uh, soccer yep. for, for yep. the last few years. And um, my own uh, theory is that they knew... Uh, at the beginning of the season that they are going to win because I don't see how you can win uh, such a big thing and do such a big challenge um, without visualizing it and really having the, the naivety to uh, believe in that. And um, I mean, we're really small in a big market uh, in front of really big competitors. Uh, we're naive enough to think that we can win it. And, um, and we never thought of us, uh, like we always felt that we could deserve more, that we could be super aggressive on the way we were doing things, on the, the tech, on the business, on the fundraising. That's what we've been doing and that's what we want to keep doing, working with the best people, the best suppliers, the best talent recruiters. <laughs> so, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think what we were saying over lunch is like, it's so refreshing to find values that are so unique in themselves yeah. um, as opposed to just having like keywords that don't mean much. It sound like the values mm. that you've made actually mean something to everyone within the business and they actually have a meaning behind them. Um, so with your uh, fundraise then, so what does that mean for you? What are your sort of next milestones? You know, obviously share what you can. Yeah, so th the idea is to have a robust tech um, that gets out of the lab um, and that shows uh, its uh, performance directly on the field. So that's the main challenge and the main milestone that we're uh, working to achieve. Uh, we have proof of concepts with uh, uh, major manufacturers in food and beverage, pharma and cosmetics. The idea is to deploy the first prototypes in those uh, factories mm -hmm. to show the performance of the system, to iterate on it, uh, on really still having a, a product that we're actually really proud of on every aspect. Uh, so we have a commercial product. The proof of concepts are being converted. So this looks a bit simple, but in reality... <laughs> Um, all the capex needed for the machines, all the people that will be calibrating, uh, running the, the, the machines, handling all the maintenance, um, validating all the performance criteria. So we need to build uh, a big team uh, uh, with some of the best people out there in all of the fields that, that I mentioned. Um, and uh, in terms of RNG also, we have quite a... Um, um, several roadblocks uh, to go a bit uh, further on the on the RNG. Detecting bacteria can mean a lot of things. Uh, we have tackled a first way of doing it, which is a huge market need. But then there are lots of them in terms of quality control. And we want to show in terms of technology that we can reach all the, the different means uh, using our technology with the operational advantage of our technology, extremely quick, cheap, directly usable on the shop floor. Uh, and that's going to be quite a lot for for, for <laughs> this uh, for the next milestones. Okay, and so I'm always intrigued, and I hope you don't mind me asking. But three co-founders, you've talked about how you complement each other. Do you always agree? Uh, I mean, we don't uh, always agree. <laughs> Otherwise, it, it, should, it would be an issue. <laughs> uh, no, we debate a lot, we discuss a lot, um, and um, but we always find a compromise. And one thing that's super cool is that uh, we're on, we're, each one of us is like super expert in his field uh, and we respect um, and admire the, 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 the background and the, the, the stature of each one in his field. So naturally, 
I mean, I'm often challenging Maxim on the tech. Uh, but when I feel he's super confident about something, I just shut up. Same thing with Mohamed on like a financial thing. He's been like building a company with hundreds of people. Uh, um, so, uh, he sold his company. He acquired companies before. So in terms of financial modeling, I, 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 I'm just like, uh, <laughs> I, yeah. I can't compete, you know. Yeah. So, so And same thing, I guess, but you, you should ask them uh, when they talk about the market and the need uh, uh, in food and beverage manufacturing or in manufacturing in general, because I spent quite a lot of time on that. Um, so yeah, this creates this really healthy dynamic, I feel, um, that uh, we always debate. Uh, we always um, like argue about like small things and so on, but uh, we always find compromise by each one having a, a full ownership of his uh, of his thing and the full accountability that comes with the, the ownership. And how did you so? How did you meet Maxime? Uh, we um, we met at Station F. We did a program. Station F is a big uh, um, incubator in Paris. Uh, it's the biggest startup campus campus in the world, um, and we. Um, we met during a program called Entrepreneur First that you might yeah. have known, yeah. mm-hmm. um, which is a, a super program. And by the way, I advise anyone who listening to the postca- this podcast and would at some point uh, found a company to, to reach out to them uh, because they are really good. Um, and uh, basically, it helps you like find the best co-founders out there. And um, you're in a room with like 60 people, half CEOs, half CTOs. Um, and they just make the magic happen. And for the fun fact, uh, uh, Maxim was the first person that I met. It was okay. like obvious. and uh, Meant to happen. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and Mohamed, uh, it was a few months later, uh, we built like the really, like the first layer of Spore Bio, but there was not <laughs> that much. And um, uh, Mohamed uh, ju- has just sold his company. He reached out to invest uh, as an angel investor, um, at that time I was refusing to talk to any investor because <laughs> I was not ready. He insisted, <laughs> yeah. and uh, he came for a breakfast. We had like a huge human fit, and I was like, okay, you know what? Let's try to discuss with him uh, and see uh, like an external point of view because maybe he could like uh, give fresh ideas before I start my my roadshow and talking to actual mm-hmm. investors. And the more he was digging into the the project, like he, he studied the, the scientific part of the project, like no one ever did, like till now, I think. Yeah, yeah. He was like really passionate about it. I was like, wow, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he's going like really far in the in the in the due diligence, and uh, and uh, at the end, uh, he announced us that he wanted to invest, but uh, not only his money, but also his time and and uh, uh, that he could see uh, really. Um, what he could bring um, on the table for a project like like ours that is super ambitious. Um, obviously, uh, I mean, I didn't know him before. We're like thinking, discussing, uh, we're not sure about our choice. We decided to accept the proposition and it was, I think, one of the best decisions that we made so far because, uh, yeah, he's really bringing something new to the table and we could feel it. So at that time, you weren't necessarily looking for, for a COO, is that right? No, really not. And... Uh, uh, I would not have imagined having an additional co-founder before he mentioned this opportunity. And you touched on it earlier, so um, entrepreneurs first. So for anyone listening who is a 
um, at the early stages of running a business or someone who's got a really great idea and they, they think they're working on something? Like, what, what advice yeah, would you give those people? Yeah, it's really interesting, their positioning. It's actually one of the only talent investor. So it's for uh, potential founders that has an idea or doesn't have an idea, mm-hmm. uh, but are struggling to find co-founders, which is, I think, the first struggle that everyone has when you want yeah. to start your, your company. Um, and basically, they are, like, super harsh on the... On the recruitment, uh, they are like really hiring the, the best talents academically, but also in terms of business and incredible background. Like the 60 people I met during my, my cohort, mm-hmm. I think was some of the 60 most brilliant people I have met in my whole life. Um, with like super diverse background, coming from tech, coming from like uh, so many different fields, doctors, uh, lawyers, uh, researchers in quantum, uh, whatever. <laughs> like yeah. <a laughs> And yeah, and, uh, so, so you don't have to have like a, a project even. You can just know that you want to do something uh, greater in your life and you're bored with your nine to five job and you, you want to build your company. And that's this mix that uh, creates like some really good uh, company like um, Tractable, that is a, a unicorn in the UK, like uh, um, Omnipresent, which is a really big company yep. that went out of uh, EF uh, in the UK. And yeah. Nice. And uh, we always like to finish these uh, episodes with a couple of questions. So tell us about the the last podcast you listened to and why did you listen to it? You'd have to say a CT19 podcast. <laughs> no, no, you're not, you're not obliged to say you listen to it. Well, uh, I, I need to give a shout out to one uh, specific podcast, but it's a French one. So sorry for uh, the <laughs> non-French speaking uh, people. But that's a podcast where I learned so many things about entrepreneurship that uh, it's, uh, I mean, every French business person, people will know what I'm talking about. It's called uh, Generation Do It Yourself. Uh, it's uh, by Matt Stefani, and it's a podcast where basically he invites uh, uh, some of the biggest founders uh, in France, but also abroad, um, or VCs or whatever. And uh, it's like super long podcast where he really uh, deep dives on um, sometimes really technical topics. Or And I learned so much about him. So all the podcasts of uh, Matt Stefani... Uh, Actually, I met him a few, few. Nice. Don't know if he's gonna listen to that. I don't <laughs> think so. They say you shouldn't but, uh, meet your heroes. How was it? What? They say you should never meet your heroes. How How was that for you? I don't know if he's my hero. <laughs> but, uh, no, he's someone that uh, was uh, really inspirational for me. But um, um, no, I still uh, admire him the same way after meeting him. So, so yeah. And you mentioned again at lunch that you read. What was the last book you read, and why did you decide to read it? I read uh, recently a book that I that was like on my reading list for a really long time ago, uh, and I just read it over Christmas. Um, it's called uh, "Let My People Go Surfing" uh, from um, Yvon Chouinard, the founder of Patagonia, um, which is a crazy company. Like yeah. I, I didn't know yeah. like the, the full story of uh, Patagonia, and the yeah. guy is like a complete uh, like. The, the, the way he handled his company, I think, is really unique. And uh, I was in the middle of this uh, brainstorming of values and so on. And reading that really uh, helped me. Like, you could build a company differently. Um, there is no, like, uh, yeah, you need to be a shark and you need to, yeah. like, have hard values on uh, competition and, uh, and ambition and so on. You can actually ethically do things that matter to you while building something big and that's something that I really like awesome yeah thanks so much for your time today really enjoyed you, you being thank here thank you guys thank you right. for having thanks me thanks so much cheers thank you.